Welcome. Here is this past Sunday's sermon from Grant Memorial Church. Well, good morning, Grant Memorial. Good morning. Uh, my name is Cam, and uh, I am one of the pastors here at Grant, and we are thrilled that uh, you have joined us this morning, whether that's in person or online. And uh, we pick up today at the end of our four-week uh, vision reveal for our church moving forward. And just in case you uh, haven't heard it or maybe you just haven't quite memorized it yet, I'll remind you what it is. The vision of Grant Memorial is gather, grow, go for the glory of God. Gather, grow, go for the glory of God. We exist to bring glory to God, and we do that by gathering to pray, worship, and love one another in Christian community, by growing in our relationship with God and our capacity to serve, and as we go, sharing the gospel, making disciples, and demonstrating God's love in our local and global communities. And this progression the way that these values are laid out is so important with that last statement being go. Right? This is how we as a church are different from a commune. Right? Rather than fortifying ourselves within these walls, we prepare ourselves within these walls to go out from here. Right? Church, if all we do is gather, um, we're basically a social club. If, if all we do is gather and grow, we're kind of like a seminary. But if we gather and grow so that we can be sent out, well, at that point, we become the church. You see, God has chosen to use his church to bring the truth of himself to the world, right? This is God's MO for the advancement of his kingdom, that his family, that his sons and daughters would point the way to the Father, right? We see this as Jesus teaches what we call the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 18, and 20. And this is what it says. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the, in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You see, with the very last words of his gospel, Matthew emphasizes Jesus commissioning his followers the church, not just to be, but to go, right? He states explicitly that we are to go, go to all nations. He has a task for us to accomplish, and it isn't accomplished within the comfort of our own walls. There's a great quote within Christian circles that I haven't been able to uh, trace the origin to, but the quote goes like this. On Sunday, the church gathers to worship. On Monday, we scatter to witness, right? We gather to worship, but we scatter to witness, right? To live as the church of Jesus Christ demands that we are scattering, that we are going, that we're moving beyond our own tight-knit community to the ends of the earth. 
You see, I've noticed two tendencies uh, within the body of believers. Some have no church community at all, which we learned a couple of weeks ago is unbiblical. But the other tendency, the other ditch, is that many Christians have no community outside of the church. And that's not right either. 1 Peter 2.12 says, Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. This is one of my favorite verses, and it has a lot to say about many things. But notice what it says about where it is that we live among the pagans. Peter's words here assume that we are interacting with the world. We're not simply huddling up, but we're actually leaving the huddle and getting into the game. The biblical call for the church is to gather, to grow, and to go. Our vision sentence uh, for go is broken down into three categories. Uh, Spreading the gospel or evangelism making disciples or discipleship, and demonstrating God's love or outreach. And so this morning, we're going to look at each of those concepts, unpacking why they are biblical and essential to the church, accomplishing its purposes. So let's start with evangelism. We will glorify God by sharing the gospel. Church, by the grace of God... We are the recipients of the greatest gift of all time. The forgiveness of sins and eternal life in relationship with God through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It doesn't get any better than that. There is no better news. There's no more important information. There are no words that provide more hope, more peace, more joy than the truth of the gospel. And we have been given those very words. So church, let's speak the words of the gospel. Now, the word gospel simply means good news. It's taken from the Greek word evangelion, which was a political word used within the Roman Empire to share the good news about Rome. So the Romans would issue gospel or good news around the Roman Empire, letting all of its citizens know about a military feat or a territorial advancement or anything particularly important to the governor Caesar. So a messenger would ride into a town as a representative of Caesar, evangelizing or announcing to all the people the good news of the kingdom of Rome. It was spreading the good news so that all would hear and know how wonderful Caesar was and would celebrate all of his wonderful deeds and how by his hand, life would be better for everyone. Does that sound familiar at all? No wonder the early church made use of this word when referring to the task of the Christian in evangelizing or sharing the gospel. Right? In this same way, we are God's representatives, speaking on his behalf, ensuring that all would hear the good news of the kingdom of God, celebrating his accomplishments and mighty deeds, and inviting others to join in the celebration, pledging allegiance to him as king. If you are here today and you call yourself a Christian, you have received the good news 
the truth of what God has done, and you have been saved by the works of his hands. But you only received it because you heard it. Someone, in some way, evangelized, rode into your space and declared this good news. And so what follows is that we, too, must participate in bringing the good news to every corner of the earth that all may see and know who God is and what he has done. The Apostle Paul, one of the first and perhaps greatest evangelists of all time, shared his motivation in participating in the work of evangelism. In Romans 10, 13, he says this, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then he proceeds to ask the following questions in verse 15, 14 and 15. He says, how then can they call on the one they've not believed in? And how can they believe in one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? Paul points out the obvious. The only way that the good news will spread is if we spread it, is if we will go. Or as Jesus commissions his disciples in Acts 1.8, he says, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He says, I am asking you to testify about me from your very own backyards to the far reaches of the globe and everything in between. You see, evangelism not, is not simply for the few, for those who are comfortable doing it or have a specific knack for it, right? It's for all of us. We are called to participate in evangelism, which can seem like a daunting task, I know, but uh, J.I. Packer, in his book, Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God, seems to define it in a way that I think is much more feasible. Listen to what he says. He says, according to the New Testament, evangelism is just preaching the gospel. It's a work of communication in which Christians make themselves mouthpieces for God's message of mercy to sinners. And then he says this, anyone who faithfully delivers that message under whatever circumstances, in a large meeting, in a small meeting, from a pulpit or in a private conversation, is evangelizing. Right? For, for those who are still unconvinced or who think evangelism is beyond them, not in their wheelhouse, I, I want to point out that whether you would like to admit it or not, we are all already evangelists. I think I've brought this up before, but it bears repeating we are all evangelists. We all bear good news. We all tell others about the wonderful things we know and invite them to live in the reality that we do. So for some, you're evangelistic about the Netflix show you watch. Right? You tell anyone who will hear how wonderful this show is and how they should watch it too. For others, you're evangelistic about your favorite restaurant, right? You tell others they must try this dish or that drink. Their life will somehow be better off because of it, right? Some are evangelistic about their favorite sports team, declaring and celebrating publicly through social media or otherwise how great their team is and how wonderful their accomplishments, 
right? It could be an author, a band or musician, a movie, a neighborhood, a vaccine, a political stance, your own children, maybe even yourself. We are all evangelists about something. Unfortunately, we're just not all evangelists about the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you're like me, this should sting a little bit. Right, if I'm so quick to tell people about something that really doesn't matter, that really won't change anyone's life in the big picture, why am I so hesitant to share with others about the one thing that matters most? See, as a church, we want to move from where we are. We want to be evangelistic. We want people to know the gospel of Jesus Christ as a result of encountering our ministries and our members. We cannot just stand by and watch people that God has created in his own image perish, miss out on knowing God simply because we were more comfortable with our mouths shut or more comfortable talking about less contentious things. We, Grant Memorial, will glorify God by sharing the gospel at every opportunity. Next, uh, we will glorify God through making disciples. Now, this involves a little overlap with last week as we talked about the way that we grow within community is done in discipleship. And that's okay. The, all these values overlap. That's precisely the point. This is one vision, not many visions. They're part of the same mission. But for today, our emphasis on discipleship has to do with the way we follow up our evangelism. Remember a few moments ago, we read uh, the Great Commission. Well, let's look at it again. <clears throat> Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Did you notice that the Great Commission is not evangelism? It doesn't say make converts in every nation. No, it says make what? Disciples of all nations, right? Now, discipleship certainly involves evangelism or starts with evangelism, but it certainly doesn't end there, right? The evangelism we talked about before is not simply about yelling the truth at strangers and then moving on. Right? The goal is discipleship, that when we tell others the good news, we begin the process of discipling them, gathering with them to help them grow in their understanding and relationship with God. Right? The first step of discipleship is evangelism, teaching the good news, but it is certainly not the end of our calling to go. <clears throat> Last week we pointed out that Jesus, uh, that, that Jesus' M.O. was discipleship. Right? Jesus started many conversations with the words, follow me. Right? He brought his disciples along with him to learn from him by watching, by going in the direction that he was going, doing the things that he was doing. He invited them to walk in his footsteps. That is discipleship. Now, growing up in Winnipeg, 
while difficult, I think gives us a unique perspective on discipleship. Let me ask you, if you're walking through the snow behind someone, where are you likely stepping along the way? Yeah, in their footsteps, right? Why would you risk getting a booter if all the work has already been done? And in the same way, if someone's walking behind you through the snow, where are they most likely stepping? In your footsteps, in your tracks, right? You see, this, friends, is a wonderful picture of discipleship. It's intentionally following someone who's a little further on the journey ahead of you. And it's inviting others who are a little further behind to walk in our footsteps as we pursue Jesus and living a godly life. Right? And in a perfect world, in the perfect church, we would all have someone ahead of us on the journey Supporting us, helping us, encouraging us along the way. And we would all have someone behind us that we are encouraging, supporting, helping, and leading towards righteousness. Picture that in your heads. Look, look around. Look how many of us there are. Add everyone who is online. Imagine we all had someone ahead of us and someone behind us. Imagine the impact of that. Imagine how, how much closer we would all grow in our walk with Christ if we would just do discipleship well. You see, the Apostle Paul actually uses this analogy himself, minus the snow. In 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, he says, follow me as I follow Christ. Right? Paul, being much older than most of us, is closer to the front of the train, right? But just as he invited others to look to him, we need to be looking ahead of us. Remember, we're not meant to do this alone. And looking behind us, following Christ's calling to make disciples or replicas of ourselves. Now, winter is coming. And I want us to keep that image in mind. When you walk over a snowbank, and you find yourself stepping in someone else's footprints. Or when you walk from the sidewalk to the bus stop. Or a, a walkway that hasn't been shoveled yet. And find yourself stepping in the footprints of another. I want us all to remember this idea of discipleship. That someone has been here before. Has paved the way. And I want us to ask ourselves where we are when it comes to this. Do I have someone paving the way spiritually for me? Do I have someone that I'm bringing along with me towards Jesus? Or are we just kind of in a field letting each other walk all over the place, trying to make our own tracks and sense of what following Jesus looks like? And if we conclude that maybe we don't have that going on in our lives, all it takes is some prayer and some courage and maybe a coffee with someone you respect to ask if you can join them on their journey. Walk in their footsteps as you both travel closer to Christ. Or on the other side of the equation, it means opening yourself up to serve those who are new in the faith or younger in the faith, letting them into your life, pouring into them that they would be able to bring someone else along who's a little bit behind them on their journey. 
You see, discipleship isn't really discipleship unless the disciple you're making is disciples, disciples, disciple is also making disciples who make disciples. <laughs> Sounds like a lot, right? But it's not about me making a disciple of someone if the train ends there. I'm not making a real disciple if they don't know that their job is to make a disciple. But you can extend it even further. I didn't do a good job if they don't know that they need to make the next disciple as a disciple who makes a disciple so they can make a disciple, right? It's, it's, it's this train, and if it ends anywhere, we've, we've ruined it. We've ended what it is that we've been tasked with as a church, right? So we need to ask ourselves, have I been receiving but not inviting Or have I been wandering around by myself trying to make this thing up as I go? How are we doing with discipleship? Now, I could talk about discipleship for a long time. Uh, The process of teaching and showing others what they have put their faith in. And I will. We will talk about discipleship as time moves on. But the important thing to note today is that we aren't just called to tell people about Jesus. We are called to tell them and to show them the way as we too are shown the way. Now finally, the third aspect of going is to demonstrate God's love locally and globally, or as we titled it today, outreach. Now for our purposes this morning, While they are distinct things, I'm going to blend local and global outreach into one mandate. That we reach out, not only evangelistically, but that we reach out to serve the needs of those outside of our church as well. Now, to be clear, we have nothing to give anyone if we don't give them the good news of Jesus Christ. Right? Outreach without evangelism at least at some point, is not helpful. It would be like a doctor who knows the root cause, continuing, continuing to treat symptoms without ever addressing the real issue. However, it is still important, rather essential, to treat the symptoms. A good doctor addresses the root issue, but does not ignore the the symptoms and works hard to be of service to the one that they are serving. And so as a church, we want to couple our evangelism with outreach, right? With caring uh, for the needs of those in our local and global communities, right? We're invited to be the hands and feet of Jesus in a world that desperately needs his touch and his love. And we take this mandate from the example of Jesus Christ himself. In Mark chapter 2, Jesus not only forgives a paralytic sin, his greater need, he also healed his physical condition. In John 9, Jesus not only showed a blind man himself, relationship with him, and a new way to be, but he also restored his sight. Right? And these examples abound if you flip through the Gospels. Right? Jesus fed the hungry, he healed the lepers, he cured the sick, just to name a few. Jesus coupled evangelism with service, preaching and teaching, with healing, the spiritual with the physical, and that is our desire too. As James 2, 14 to 17 says, What good is it, 
my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds, can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, or shalom, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs. What good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. Did you catch the example? Right? Those in the example missed the physical. They literally said, I'll pray for you but did nothing to be an answer to those very prayers. We need to be careful as a church not to miss the physical in the communities that God has put us. Right? We're invited to meet physical and tangible needs of the world around us, and God has positioned us in a way that we can do so. Right? Locally, that means being aware of our neighbors and how we can help them. It means naming the problems in our city and figuring out how we can be a part of the solution. Globally, it means responding to crises that maybe don't even impact us, but because we see all people as created in the image of God, they are worth our help and sacrifice. Right, church, if, if we are the salt of the earth, as Jesus says we are in Matthew 5, 13, the earth should be better off because of us. Right? If we are the salt of the earth, as Jesus declares that we are, the earth should be better off because of us. Right? Our, our neighbors' lives should be better because we are in them. Our city should be better off because Grant Memorial is here. Our world should be a better place because we have the Spirit of God in us. Let's think about that for a minute. If they bulldoze Grant Memorial tomorrow and they put up a Starbucks on this corner instead, would our neighborhood be better off? Would our community feel more blessed if there was a shopping mall or a cheesecake factory here rather than a church? I wonder if we polled our community what they would say. Or on a personal level, if you moved tomorrow, would the life of your neighbors be negatively affected? Or would it make little to no difference at all? Church, these are questions that we need to ask regularly. If, if our presence has no impact, or worse, has a negative impact on those around us, we are seriously missing the point, and we're not functioning as a church the way that God intends. Remember our first Peter verse from before? He says, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, right, though, though the rumors are significant, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Right? Those around us, no matter what they think of the church, no matter what the media tells them about Christians, ought to believe differently because they know us, because they see our good deeds, because their lives are better off because we exist. Right? May the foster care system in Winnipeg speak well of the church because they know how much we care for and sacrifice for kids. 
May our government officials work overtime to protect our viability because they couldn't imagine our city without our church. May our landlords forego rent increases because they really want us to stay in their building. May teachers in the education system wish for our kids to be in their classes because they know how well cared for they'll be if they have families of Grant Memorial. May our neighbors choose to not move to the next neighborhood because their life is just too good living close to us. May people we've never met in places we've never been thank God every day for a church in Canada that they can't pronounce because their lives have been so positively impacted by our generosity. May we be salt and light in this world as we go and as we reach out, showing the love of God to all who will receive. May we be a church who reaches out. May we be a church who goes. This week, I was talking with an individual about the difference between have to and get to. Maybe you've had this conversation before. This individual works, on a, works for a sports team, and we were discussing if they had to be at all the games or if they got to be at all the games, right? Was this a good thing, a privilege for them, or was it a requirement, something that he wouldn't do if he wasn't told that he had to? And the reason I bring this up is that there's a big difference between have to and get to when it comes to the mission of the church. Friends, all of this, everything we've talked about, the calling to evangelize, the calling to disciple, the calling to serve and reach out is a get to, right? We have the privilege of serving. We have the great honor of joining in what God is doing in the world. This is not being begrudgingly obedient or doing things we'd rather not participate in. No, we get to. We don't have to. We get to bring the greatest message the world will ever know to the people who need to know it. We have been given the great privilege of helping people unpack the gift of eternal life. This is no drag. This is no eye roll moment. This is not simply another thing to add to our checklist or feel guilty about. This is incredible if we actually understand what we've been invited to be a part of. Right? And we don't just have to be discipled or disciple others. As if we're making some sort of great sacrifice. No, we are called to do so for our own benefit. This is good news. We don't need to do life alone. We don't have to wander aimlessly through the snow trying to find our own way. We have the honor of leaning on others and navigating our steps with the help of brothers and sisters. And we have the great pleasure of helping others take the right steps themselves. Right? We don't have to reach out. We get to reach out. We get to serve our communities. We get to make people's lives better. Think about that. What a privilege to be salt and light in a dark world. We have been given the thing 
that most people spend their entire lives searching for. Purpose in this life. Right? We have been given the thing that everyone is looking for. Purpose. May we not miss the opportunity to live within it now that we have found it. We have purpose beyond ourselves. We've been entrusted with tasks that aren't menial, but that change lives and eternities. What else would we want to give our lives to? Right? Yes, we're called to do these things. There are commands and imperatives in the scripture that tell us these things. Right? This is what the church ought to do. But as Matthew 11.30 says about this responsibility, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Church, may we not be burdened by the invitation, by what God has entrusted us with. May we be excited about it and look for opportunities to be a part of it, expectant that we will get to see God at work along the way. Right? Because that's just it. We have front row seats. No, in fact, we've been cast to play roles in the story of what God is doing in the world. We have received the love of Christ, and we have the wonderful task of giving that love away so that all may receive as well. As 1 John 4.19 says, we love because he first loved us. Brothers and sisters, we get to be a church who evangelizes. We get to be a church who disciples. We get to be a church who serves all for the glory of God. As we close, I'm going to invite you to read through these values with me one more time, out loud, as we declare what we are about. Let's speak these words together. And while we do that, I, I want you to smile at the screen, not in a weird way, right? But in a hopeful way, acknowledging that these aren't tasks we don't want to do, but acknowledging the incredible opportunity that we've been given as a church to live this out by the power of God for the glory of God. So would you read our vision with me? We will glorify God by gathering to pray, worship, and love one another in Christian community. Growing in our relationship with God and capacity to serve through biblical teaching and discipleship. Going by sharing the gospel, making disciples, and demonstrating Christ's love in our local and global communities. Friends, this is a good task, and we're blessed to be invited to live it out. Heavenly Father, we thank you. God, we thank you that you have given us purpose. 
Lord, that you have reached into our lives, that somebody evangelized along the way, and you, by your Spirit, allowed us to receive the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God, I pray that as we reflect on that, that we would be compelled and excited to turn and to extend that towards others as well as we reach out through evangelism, discipleship, and service. God, help us to be thrilled with the purpose, thrilled that you look down upon us and as as imperfect as we are, you choose to use us. You, You allow us to join you in what you're doing in the world. God, help that idea never to leave our minds. Help us always to see that and understand just how amazing that is. God, may we be a church who gathers well, that worships you and and invites you through prayer and glorifies your name at every opportunity. May we be a church who grows as we dig into the word of God and as we uh, teach one another through discipleship, that we would grow both in our understanding of who you are in our relationship with you and our ability to then go to the world telling people about how awesome you are, how they can know you, teaching them along the way that they could do the same, and leaving a mark on our world that looks like the love of Jesus. God, help us to live this out. This is a high calling, but it's a good calling. And we do this, we step into this knowing that we are not alone, but that you have gone before us and you walk with us as we attempt to gather, grow, and go all for the glory of God. Amen. Thanks for listening with us. For more information about our church or upcoming services and events, please visit us at grantmemorial.ca or on social media at at Grant Memorial Church.